This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Welcome to the uh, finishing uh, series, the sixth session of the uh, six series of meetings that we've had here about medical missionary work. I'm Dr. John Traquato. This is Pastor Wayne Cablano. And um, we have been having uh, a, a discussion now about various aspects of medical ministry. And we've had a persistent theme we've been discussing in this entire series. Um, a theme that had to do with loving sacrifice. Sacrifice that would not just change the world around us, but would also alter our characters. So... We have a, a purpose today. We want to persuade you to answer the call to individually be medical missionaries. We'd like you to commit, to engage, to acknowledge the biblical and spirit of prophecy model that we've worked hard to plant in this series of meetings. We recognize that medical ministry is not an option when it comes to the spirit of prophecy. Every, uh, every member is to be a medical missionary. That's the spirit of prophecy model. But also, we'd like to inspire you with the possibilities. What is possible? How high can we raise the standard? How high can we ourselves rise in sacrificial love and service to God? Before we get started, um, I want to remind you. I can get the first slide. Uh, is that a medical minister? Um, if you would like a copy of our notes or slides, or um, if you'd like some materials that we talked about on being equally yoked, courtship, dating, and marriage, Dr. Tyndale, or John Tyndale, uh, multiple resources from his work, even links to our Vimeo website uh, where we have training videos for our free clinic. You're welcome to send an email to this address, you'll get an auto-response within 60 seconds, and that will have a page of links that you may get, if you choose, that will help you to download whatever materials of that sort that you would like from us. And, uh, and feel free to do that. We've had uh, lots of people downloading those already, and it's working fine. So before we get started, I would like Pastor Wayne Cablano to begin us with prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you and praise you for what you have done in the last few days here at GYC. It's been amazing. We've seen your spirit moving. We've felt your calling in our own hearts. And we want to just this afternoon again just humble our hearts before you and seek you and rededicate ourselves to you. Father, we seek for your Holy Spirit to be here, that you will give John and I your words to speak. And we just pray that, that, uh, that your will be done here this afternoon. We commit this class, this session, this seminar into your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen. We haven't done this yet 
in this seminar, but I wanted to ask a few questions of the audience to, to try to get an idea of who we have, who we're speaking to. And uh, first of all, how many are medical providers or studying to be a medical provider, whether it be a doctor, dentist, nurse, whatever? Show, show your hands. Wow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, then how many are pastors, Bible workers, um, or studying to be uh, gospel workers in a, in a very specific way? Let me see your hands. Okay. Very good. How about those who are studying to be or involved in educational work? There's a couple. Hallelujah. As Dr. John mentioned earlier, everybody, no matter what area you're in, needs to be a medical missionary. It's a broad scope of definition. It's not narrow. You don't have to be a medical provider to be a medical missionary. You just have to have self-sacrificing love for the people around you, wanting to serve them in whatever needs they may have, whether it be a health need or whether it be... Uh, a need of helping them learn how to clean their home or, you know, helping them. Maybe they have a need. Uh, imagination can go wild as far as what people's needs may be other than health. But that is part of being a medical missionary. It's meeting people's needs where they are at but not just to make them happy as sinners, but for the purpose of showing them Jesus Christ and bringing them the gospel. Um, in a nutshell, we want to review what we've covered so far. In the last, uh, there goes my computer, you guys don't have computers that have issues, do you? Well, mine does. It'll be back up in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, we want to just quickly review the last couple of days of our seminar just so you, you know where we are at and, uh, and how we've gotten to where we are at. First of all, um, our first first seminar on Thursday morning was entitled Medical Missionary Work, the Biblical and Spirit Prophecy Foundation for its Purpose. And what we did is we studied the three angels' messages and the fourth angel's message as it relates to the, uh, the medical missionary work. And what we see is that those messages are designed to, to teach us that the key issue the key issue at the end of time is the character of Jesus. That is what 
those messages are trying to teach us. And that is exactly what the medical missionary work is designed to produce in God's people. And so um, the medical missionary work must be combined with the gospel work before the latter rain will fall. We made that bold statement. Let me say it again. The medical missionary work, it should be working here. Okay, let's see here. Why isn't it working? There we go. There's the, there's the statement on the screen. The medical missionary work must be combined with the gospel work before the latter rain will fall until self-sacrificing character of Christ, which is demonstrated by the medical missionary work, is reproduced in God's people. The latter rain will not fall. Then we went, went on to defend that statement uh, with the study of the three angels' messages. On our second presentation, it was entitled Medical Missionary Work and Lessons from Sacred History. And with those lessons from sacred history, we attempted to demonstrate our current need for one thing that was permeating each of those lessons, loving sacrifice and trust of God. Because without that, we would be doomed to repeat the cycles of, of, of loss that our people have had since the Old Testament times. And so by learning those lessons from history, we can choose another way. We can decide to go another way. And to the glory of God, that seems to be a real option for us today. We only see that it's possible to choose that other way, to be any different by the faith of Jesus. We have to have the faith of Jesus to accomplish the goal of being any different than our forefathers. And that's what the lessons from sacred history were, were to teach us as we reviewed them. In the third class, we talked about medical missionary work, principles and concepts. We had a whole list of, of different principles and concepts that we covered. And they were covered under the four different primary headings, uh, driven by relationship, our work for other people. We, we want to bind their hearts to us so that they can see Jesus in us. Use methods that are Christ-centered. Uh, number two, number three, involves a, a call to personal sacrifice. Uh, medical missionary work drives you out of your comfort zone into helping people in a self-sacrificing way. And number four, must be a combined work, a comprehensive work, a combined physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social in every way, the whole being. In our fourth presentation, it was entitled Medical Missionary Work, The Motive and the Power. And we felt this was so important because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. You can also do the, the right thing, but you can use the world's methods rather than God's. And both of those are, are stumbling blocks that we have had as a people that we would like to have to bypass. And what we found is the one way that we can have a motive that will be like Jesus is to have the faith 
of Jesus. In addition to that, where do we find power to help people change? Well, where do we find power to help us change? The same place we found the motive is the place that we found the power, always through the faith of Jesus. That is the key to making us different in medical ministry. If we do not approach the medical ministry through the faith of Jesus, we are bankrupt. And this, this lesson tried to put that forward. The motive for living a sacrificial Christ-like life comes from the love of God, our only hope is to have Jesus dwell in us, the faith of Jesus. And then yesterday's presentation, Medical Missionary Work in Action, Stories of Faith in America, we had several GYC young people who came and, and shared their testimonies. If you weren't here, uh, you need to get the, the audio of that presentation. It was powerful. The, pres the, the testimonies were absolutely incredible those young people, what they have done. They told their stories of how that sacrificial love has impacted the lives of those who would have never entered an Adventist church or gone to a, uh, an evangelistic series. Many of these patients are now baptized or regularly attending Sabbath services and moving forward to full membership and uh, living the last day message. After our fifth message, we, instead of going out on our outreach, identified approximately 20 people that stayed by for the afternoon, um, and we had a lab. And the purpose of the lab was to settle into some of the basic concepts necessary to begin a work and provide some structure for those who were interested in preparing to do a work in ministry uh, along the medical lines, or missionary, medical missionary lines. So we spent the afternoon with this group of individuals developing these plans and these ideas, and they spent about two and a half hours working through how to unselfishly offer themselves to their churches and to the communities. It was powerful to watch, to see these people that were, some of them here now, and I'm seeing you here, to watch you take these principles and begin to apply them and to hear the words that you spoke were quite inspiring. Amen. So I'm very much looking forward to next year when maybe we come back and, and meet some of the same that have been in our lab and see what you've done in this year. We want to share with you for a few minutes now one of the, the examples of medical missionary evangelism that has inspired us. And it's probably the one that we have seen that has modeled after the Spirit of Prophecy instructions the closest. And that is John Tyndall and his experience in the early, in the first half of the 1900s. And uh, in a paper written by Dr. Calvin Thrash in 1969, this is a few years ago, uh, he reported the following, and I want to read a little bit of, of uh, Dr. Tyndall's experience. It was while he was a law student that he was converted and became a Seventh-day Adventist. In 1908, he went to Loma Linda for additional studies. Of course, Loma Linda at that time was called the College of what? Medical Evangelists, okay? 
And it was doing just that, training medical evangelists. Went to Loma Linda for additional studies, being convinced early in the value of, of health reform, both in the church and, and in, in evangelism. Elder Tyndale brings out the fact that this was the year in which the health reform was being actively brought to the forefront in the church. It was in the same year that Ellen White wrote to A.G. Daniels, the president of the General Conference, re regarding the need for, quote, in the year of 1908, end quote, for circulating a pledge among the leading uh, leaders reinforcing certain aspects of health reform, among which was abstinence from meat eating. And in 1910, just two years later, a vision came to Ellen White, which was, has been referred to as the medical evangelism vision. This was a major vision, a major instruction from the Lord for the work of evangelism in our church. It, it was something that was to turn the tide, to give us a direction that was new. In it, she stated that the Lord had presented to her a call for the change in methods of working the cities. And here's a quotation um, out of Manuscript 21-1910. She wrote, During the night of February 27, 1910, a representation was given me in which the unworked cities were presented before me as a living reality. And I was plainly instructed that there should be a decided change. A decided what? Change from path, past methods of working. For months, the situation has been impressed on my mind, and I urge that companies, that what? Companies be organized and diligently trained to labor in our important cities. She's not talking about small towns, rural areas, she's talking about the need to reach the cities with company evangelism. Going on, uh, Dr. Thrash says, in response to this call, Elder John Burden, business manager of the medical school, came along with other leaders to Elder Tyndall with the challenge as outlined by Mrs. White. They asked him to set up a program for me gospel medical evangelism with the first demonstration to be in San Bernardino, California. Now, after we've been studying these methods, we looked at them and, and have been practicing them for the last several years. Pastor Cablon and I have worked in the summertime for about four years now, specifically using these methods in an effort to reproduce what we found. And initially, we thought we had it and discovered we didn't. And then we thought we had it better and discovered, well, it was better, but it wasn't on. And it kept going. And we've been circling the target, getting closer and closer and closer, but we haven't got exactly it. But each time we made another trial, we got closer and more results, more response, more blessing. I want to tell you about the character of the work that Elder Tyndale did and try to identify some key components. He did a work that shared the gospel. It helped to complete the gospel commission. Now, what I'm talking about is medical work. 
medical missionary work, but the purpose was to share the gospel. Some people would take one or the other, but he had both. And so he would do these personal acts of beneficence and kindness as well as this healing ministry, and it was all considered medical ministry. In addition to that, he had a team. It wasn't just himself with an, as an evangelist. It wasn't just a single um, pastor. Uh, it wasn't even a small team. It was a company, a group of people that gathered together from a variety of backgrounds that include businessmen, as well as gospel workers, as well as health workers, as well as um, singers, and as well as um, uh, uh, call porters in a company that tried to reproduce the company evangelism called for by Mrs. White. His evangelistic efforts in one area would last anywhere. Well, let me back up. How long does the typical evangelistic series currently last? Two to four weeks. His first evangelistic series lasted three months. And as he got more experience in this method of evangelism, the, the duration of his evangelistic series prolonged longer and longer, up to at one point two years in one area with the same company doing evangelism. He used public meetings just like an evangelist, but also didactic classroom settings, as well as a strong emphasis on personal work and working in the homes with his, with his volunteers that worked with him, a strong emphasis on going to the people where they lived. How many volunteers did he have? At one point, he had 19 volunteers. Now, remember, these are self-supporting volunteers. At one point, there were three paid people that include Tyndale, a um, pastor, one medical person, and all the other workers within his team were self-supporting. That is a sacrificial service. Nineteen volunteers self-supporting, making this company evangelism even possible. Well, if that's the case, what kind of work did they do? Well, they did cooking schools. They did classes on natural remedies. They spoke to civic organizations and presented health topics. They um, talked to um, civic leaders in their offices. Uh, they went to the community leaders such as the police chief, the fire chief, the, uh, the, the, uh, the mayor's office, etc. They did this home visit program, and they did Bible work in addition to that. So quite a comprehensive program that they had been using. The effectiveness of this program is astounding compared to what uh, is typically experienced with evangelism. Um, there would be generally about three times as many baptized out of, out of a series than, than normally. Um, the... His longer campaigns, um, he would actually often build or plant a church out of that campaign. Um, there would be a church that would be that would be purchased, or you know, that was that was for sale, and there would just brand new church raised up 
from one of their series of meetings. Of course, these meetings, as John was saying, didn't last three weeks. They lasted at least three months, six months, or, or sometimes even longer. The members who were brought in were of quality. They, they didn't go out the back door a month later. Uh, the attrition rate was almost zero. After he came back to the same churches later on, years later, he would find virtually all of the people still either, if, if they hadn't moved away, they were still active, participating, and being self-sacrificing themselves. They had learned the principle right from the very beginning of their experience with our church. And um, so they were committed to sharing with the Lord. Let me just share with you some of the statistics of some of his uh, work in different places. This very first series of meetings in San Bernardino, 16 were baptized. The, but what's significant is that the previous series of meetings in that city, there were zero. Pardon? And it just gotten over. And it just gotten over, yeah. And so here he's coming in, and there were 16. This was his, his first series. And then he moved to Indiana. 48 were baptized. Virginia, 50. Indiana, back again there. 60 were baptized, and the church was purchased. Um, and, and that series lasted several months. We're not sure. I, some of our research, we... we uh, didn't have time to go into all the details of it. But uh, back to Indiana again, Indianapolis, 132 baptized, Oklahoma, 110, Dallas, Texas, 56 plus 100, uh, 56 trained uh, workers, but then there were 100 that were baptized, and that was a three-month uh, training school. And then Oklahoma City, 77 baptized. So you see the numbers, and they were significant. Um, and so we're trying to figure out what did he do and how did he do it and how can that happen in the context of 2016? Okay? Because we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not back in the early part of the 1900s. And so we're come up with the idea, one of the components is health coaching. Now, I know that this is not new, and uh, we, uh, <clears throat> just this afternoon, we were blessed by being part of a, a, a networking meeting with a number of others, and some of you are here, of people who are working in uh, medical missionary lines all across the United States. And we know that we are not the, the only ones doing it. Uh, there are others that are doing basically the same thing that we're doing. And others doing other things that, are, that tie right into it. And so we're not trying to say, you know, we're the only ones because we're far from the only ones. But we're trying to show you, you know, some of the ideas that we're doing. And so we do have a health coaching 
job description. In fact, I don't know if is are there a couple of people that would mind handing these out? Um, let me get one. Oh, I have one. Okay, you just take the whole pile and and hand them out if you're interested. Um, there's a couple of reasons why we're handing this out. One is because there are opportunities um, that we have presently or that we're thinking about and you'll be hearing about in a few minutes. But secondly, it could be something where you could take this back to your own conference and say, hey, this is what's happening in Upper Columbia. Uh, let's, let's modify it. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's, let's see how it can be changed and, and uh, worked into a program in your own church or you're in your own conference. But we're working on this program of, of health coaching, or I think some people call it lifestyle coaching. And uh, the term really doesn't, doesn't matter. But uh, the idea is getting into people's homes and ministering to their needs. And... Uh, this is what we've been doing for the last couple of years, is having health coaches, and the stories that they are coming up with, the, event, the, the experiences that they are having has, have just been absolutely thrilling. So now what we're wanting to do is, is to take the next step, and uh, John, you want to talk about that? But before I do, I just want to highlight again one of the major themes that we've identified necessary for medical ministry to occur in the way that Tyndale's methods worked was this theme that we've tried to continue with the entire series of six, the concept of self-sacrificing love. That's right. Love that is so great that you will do anything for that which you love, Jesus Christ even have the character changed to the degree that it's necessary to accomplish sacrifice that's beyond ourselves to do. Sacrificing love that is so much that we ourselves and our characters are different, that we live a life that's different and obedient. It's interesting, some people have thought that what we're doing up in the Upper Columbia Conference is unique. They think it's cutting edge. And what they recognize after I talk with them a little bit, it's not cutting edge. It's simply obedience. The problem with that is that obedience is so unusual these days that when you see it, it looks original. And the issue is self-sacrifice can bring obedience out of love. If it's difficult to be obedient, then learn to love and it becomes natural. So, what kinds of circumstances? We went casting about, looking for examples of self-sacrifice, working with the church. I did a little internet search. And in that internet search, I came across an interesting finding. You see, there's a church in our community that has young people, young people that go on missions, young people that spend two years away from their home that are not even allowed to talk to their parents but once a year in those missions. And all of the young people do this. And I found out that those young people pay $400 a month to do this. What kind of craziness is that? 
But what is the outcome? They have a major thrust in our community. Of, of all the gospels that are out there, this is one that's difficult for us to deal with because it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. These young people bringing their strength, their drive, their love for God in a gospel that we don't recognize as truth. So that was one example, and I'm scratching my head, and I said, well, maybe within our own denomination we've got examples. And yes, we do. A good one is, for instance, the Adventist Frontier Missions, where young people choose to go on a mission someplace in the world loving the Lord so much that they would sacrifice themselves, even some dangerous places. But they would do so, and in order to do so, they would come up with their own funding. There's a mechanism to make that happen, but they would do it. They didn't expect a salary. They just funded themselves. With good guidance, they were able to get out there and carry forth a mission that would make a difference in the communities that they were planted in. See, self-sacrificing love makes a difference. It is the key player. It is the thing that drives young people forward. While altruistic young people who have a passion for the Lord can be powerful, like our first forefathers in this church, who were all young people, and sacrificed their lives to see this church move forward. So as we continued to look around, I came across a young lady one day. We had this dream about starting a free clinic in Hayden. We needed help. I was getting beat up, just working too hard. So I talked to Pastor Cablano and... and uh, I talked to another pastor, and I said, I'm looking for a, a young person to come work for me. He says, well, what are you paying? First words out of his mouth. I said, I don't have anything to pay. He said, you don't have anything to pay? Hmm, interesting. What do you want her to do? Not quite sure. We're going to build a clinic. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. So you're not going to pay her, and you're going to put her to work doing something she's not sure of exactly what she's going to accomplish. I said, that's correct. And he says, and when do you want this to happen? I said, immediately. And for how long? I said, a year. Oh, let me see. So you're not going to pay somebody having them do something they're not familiar with for an entire year out of their life. I said, that's right. He said, you know, I don't know be like that. <laughs> but he says, but if I did, there is Sarah. You see, Sarah was a young lady who was at Camp Myvedin, the program director, and had been for several years a dynamic uh, energy-filled woman who was creative and, and made experiences happen for young campers that would brought them to Jesus. He says, I know this girl. She's amazing. I've watched her. I've seen her work. I've worked under her, you know, with my kids came in, that uh, went to the camp. He said, but the <laughs> you know, chances for that are slim pickings. And I said, well, why is that? She says, well, she's going to medical school in 10 weeks. Said, oh, okay. So he says, so what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to call her. So I called Sarah. And she has to drive past her church to the, get to the camp. And so I called her. I said, you know, you don't know who I am, but I go to this church where you have to pass to get to the camp. And I have a pastor friend and I that would like to talk to you about a proposition. Would you be willing to come and meet us at the church? To her credit? Sure, why not? So she comes down and she sits with Pastor Cablano and I, and we talk to her for two hours. And all we talk about for two hours is vision and ministry. And, and we talk about altruism and sacrifice, discussing how we've come to where we were and what we wanted to do. 
all for two hours, and she was understanding it. Her creative mind, you could see, just in, 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 was being enveloped with these thoughts. And after two hours, she says, and so what are you paying? She said, not that that's a big deal, but I'm curious. I said, I don't have anything to pay you. And so I'll paraphrase what she said. She says, like the pastor did, so let me just make sure I understand this. You want me to come to work for you in Hayden now, where I'm supposed to be in medical school in 10 weeks. And you want me to take a year out of my life to go do this project that you're not exactly sure what it's supposed to look like. And you don't want to pay me for it in all that time. He said, yeah, I think you got it. She says, I'm going to go pray about that. I talked to her a few weeks later, and she said, sign me up. This woman said, sign me up. Put me into work with all those barriers that she said. She said, I will put my life on hold for a year because God has called me. Now, what difference did it make that she gave this sacrifice of, of her life? This girl who was set up. I mean, she was great in school. She was going to be excellent in medicine, and, and she was gonna, she's going to fly. But no, she's going to stop, and instead of going up, she went down, unhumbled herself. What difference did it make? Within a year, this 24-year-old college student was teaching physicians how to share Christ in a medical practice. This 24-year-old medical student was giving shock and awe to nurses who didn't understand how to be able to bridge the gap between clinical medicine and how to bring the gospel to people. And Sarah was doing it. In addition to that, she was able to, to work out ministry in ways that shared not just in the local area, but, well, in the process of ministry, she fell in love with the young man she got married to this guy, and the two of them, he happened to be a photographer, they made videos about the clinic principles that many people have downloaded and used, and because of her videos, they have chosen to start free clinics. If you want to see those videos, you send me that email, amedicalministry at gmail.com. You'll get an auto-text response that will have a link to her videos, and you'll see a slight, petite, blonde, 24-year-old girl teaching the ministry principles that our church needs of sacrifice and love. So her one year out of medicine has helped to change the landscape of those that I deal with because she brought these videos to my church, and my church now is inspired, and they were willing to start a free clinic and continue in it. So this is what happens when one person sacrifices greatly. By the way, she decided after working with us for a year to stay on another and another. And finally, she decided, you know what? I can do what you do as a medical minister without a medical license. So why would I spend seven years, four years of medicine, three years of residency, and a quarter of a million dollars to do what you do? And I kind of scratched my head, and I said, I think you got the point. She says, I really feel called to be a teacher, and today she's a teacher bringing evangelism to our young people. 
because she, in her sacrifice, had the direction that gave her what she needed to understand that this was really her calling. Praise God for that. You see, when you sacrifice for the Lord, things happen. And then there was Debbie. She came up here the other day. Some of you were listening to her testimony. I, we made an arrangement during the summer for Debbie and her friends to come and see 24 of my patients for the summer. Every single day, they would be, they would be um, seeing those patients for four months in a health ministries lifestyle change program. I was going to pay them a trip up. I was going to pay them while they were there. The money fell through. The money fell through. I didn't have it. I called them up and I said, I can't bring you guys up. And instead, she said, you know what? I've talked to my friends and we're coming anyway. I said, this is crazy. I can't even pay your gas. We're coming anyway. Sacrifice. Six kids, all unanimous. GYC members, by the way. They got up there. They spent seven weeks. Out of that seven weeks, those six kids brought six people who are now Seventh-day Adventists or at least attending church regularly. And one of those people came up to me and said, I have to be baptized. And I asked him, why? You don't even know the doctrine. And she says, the way you have loved me, it can't be wrong. You see the sacrifice, what it did to somebody? It changed their heart. She says, I know there's a learning curve, but I'm going to learn about the Adventist church, and then I'll be baptized. Today, she sits across from me in the aisle at church and immediately went back into teaching the medical ministry that she had learned Christ from. That's the outcome. And by the way, the people that they serve, these six kids that they served, they took a free will offering, and they said, you're not going to send these six kids away empty-handed. These are strangers. These are not Seventh-day Adventists. And out of the six kids, everyone that needed, they left with $1,800 of free will offering each. The work went forward and was paid for by those who were served because of sacrificial love that begat sacrificial love. You see the work and how it makes a difference? Sacrificial love is it. And then finally, there was Dr. Rokiz. He was a resident who came to the office he saw the sacrifice that was present. He said, I want to join you. He said, do you understand the sacrifice? I, you you know, and we just kind of canceled it. I said, I can't have you here because you, you can't probably be as, what I am because, you know, it's, it's unusual for you to give so much up. I said, go home and think about it. So he goes home. In six months before he graduated from residency, he called me up and he says, I would like to come and join you. I said, you know what? I need to ask you a question. You're just about ready to graduate from Kaiser. And I said, do you know what you'd be walking away from if you come work for me? And he says, you know, here at Woodland Hills Kaiser, I'm one of the senior residents, and all of our residents get contracts right out of school. And he says, I have a contract sitting on my desk right now worth $200,000 one year. He says, I get $15,000 just to sign my name as a signing bonus. And if I'm good at Kaiser in four or five years, I want to buy into partnership, he says $35,000 a year bonus from that point forward. I can make nearly a quarter million dollars doing, the, doing medicine in the brightest, the biggest, the best, the newest. And he says, my contract is set at my desk, and all my classmates assign their contracts. One of my buddies come by and say, why is your contract still on your desk? I noticed you haven't signed it. He says, yeah, well, I'm thinking about this little place in northern Idaho. And the guy looks around. I mean, he's got the biggest, the best, the newest. 
little Idaho. What's in Idaho? He says, well, there's this little place I've been thinking about. He says, boy, they must be really drawing you for something. They must be paying you a lot. What are they paying? He says, well, I hate to tell you what they're paying. He says, what are they paying? A pastor's salary. The guy, his eyes bug. He says, he went over to my desk, he grabbed my contract, held it right up in front of my face, and asked me the same exact question that you just asked me. Do you have any idea what you'll be walking away from if you go there? And Andrew's voice cracked on the phone. And he says, John, I realized in that moment when he asked me if I knew what I'd be walking away from, I already had. I'm called to the ministry. I have to come. So what's the result of that? This man has taken half a city and done evangelistic work that brought souls into the kingdom. In this first year, he was present. And this man has made a difference in the souls of people who have not only changed their health, but because of him have come to Jesus in his clinic and in the community. This is what's possible for sacrificial service. This is what the longitudinal sacrifice of day-to-day living happens. When you... When, when we all come with sacrifice in our lives, God changes the world around us. It's the love that He's poured into us that we pour out to others. That is the sacrifice we call you to. So we have a dream, Pastor Cablano and I. We have a dream. You see, we've been kind of circling the target every year, every year. I've been working at this for 16 years. In the last four years, we've been doing something together with Tyndale's material. And every year we get closer and closer. I just wish, if I could do anything, if I could dream just for a minute, this is what I would wish. I would wish to reproduce this Tyndale model in that a single physician could take two years to do medicine for free on the street with a group of 20 young people who would reproduce what these six young people did just two years ago in my hometown. Six kids won six people in seven weeks. Imagine what would happen in two years. You saw those numbers of Tyndale. I talked to Wayne. I said, tell me how this has been. How effective has this method been? He says, it's the most effective thing I've ever seen in my life as a church planter. And I said, how much are you baptizing in a, in a year right now? He says, anywhere between 6 and 12. I said, what would you see in this group if this group was here for a year? He said, 60 people baptized. I, I would think. It's a guess, but I would think. I said, in two years? He said, probably double that. Could you imagine a church raised up in two years by your own young people? That's the dream we have. That's the yearning that I've got, to see 20 young people, to see myself and 20 young people to see this pastor and 20 young people raise up a body of believers through the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. So do we have resources to make this happen? No. Can we offer the young people a salary? No. Are there ways to make it happen? God has ways. And one way that we can think of is, is for, like John mentioned, with Adventist Frontier Missions. Before you come, 
you raise commitments for friends, family, church members, $10 a month, $20 a month, $40 a month. You can get up to $400 a month. Then we'll provide a place for you to live. And um, I believe that you can be part of the team. Um, you want to talk about the student loans? I need physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs. I have two clinics. They all work on a sacrificial basis. They work for pastoral wages. I need physicians willing to do that. And not only that, but I realize that physicians coming out of school have a quarter million dollars in debt. Andrew did. We figured that out. If there's a way that somebody wants to do that who's got that kind of debt, come talk to me. Send me an email, amedicalministry at gmail.com, and um, we can talk. So we're casting a vision here. Um, we're just a, it's a vision that, that we have for our own territory. But hopefully this vision couldn't be just in, in our territory. This is a type of a vision that could happen everywhere. You know, it, the work... Ellen White says, with such an army of workers, you know, the, you know the quotation, don't you? How it goes from there? With such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, how quickly the work will be finished and Jesus will come. I am so thrilled with the the young people that come to GYC, this GYC program, I believe, is God's program to finish His work here on this earth. You young people have the ability, you have the freedom to be able to, to go for a year or two and volunteer when you don't have the responsibilities of us who have gray hairs. You know, like my my ninety two year old grand my not my ninety two year old mother lives with us. I cannot just pick up and and move and do things like you can do because I have I have responsibilities. We've got children. Your mother in law lives with you, who's ninety years old. And so, young people have that ability to to work and without the encumbrance. And Ellen White saw that in her vision. And so um, that is what I believe is going to finish the work. We need you young people to team up with us that may be a little bit more experienced. We can lead the way, but we need the, we need the, the troops on the ground. Okay? And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish that this type of a program could be duplicated all across the country and around the world. And this afternoon as we were in that, uh, that uh, uh, network, networking program, ministry 
meeting, I see that it is happening around the world. And it is absolutely thrilling to us. But we need, we need uh, uh, medical doctors, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants. We need, we need nurses, co-porters. We need Bible workers. We need health coaches. We need uh, anybody. I mean, this last summer, we had somebody who was just a businessman. Very effective. Very effective in his work when he came. One of the young people that came this last summer working with us. And so this is a type of work that anybody can do. And uh, so we want to make a call to you this afternoon. Before I do that, I want to read a statement. It ties in with what we've been saying. Selected Messages, Volume 2. There is just as much self-denial required now as when, the first, when we first started in the work. When we were only a little handful of people, when we knew what self-denial meant, what self-sacrifice meant, when we tried to get out the little papers, little leaflets that should go to those who are in darkness. There are a few connected with the office today who were with us then. For years, we received what? For years, we received no wages, except barely enough to furnish us with the plainest food and clothing. We were glad to wear second-hand clothes, and sometimes we had hardly food enough to sustain our strength. Everything else was put into the work. After a time, my husband received $6 a week. Well, that was, you know, back a few days. And we lived on that and worked with, uh, with him in the cause. Others labored in a similar way. Those that have come in to take up the work after it has been made a success should walk very modestly. They should manifest the spirit of self-sacrifice. God means that the institutions here shall be carried on by self-sacrifice just as the foundation was laid. So that first sentence, there is just as much self-denial required now as when we first started the work. Do you understand the self-sacrifice that was required then? God is calling. He's calling you, and he's calling me. This morning, in the Sabbath school, an incredible call was made. We were crying as we heard that call. Call not to just sacrifice a salary, but call to be willing to sacrifice your life for Jesus. We're calling you this afternoon to sacrifice your all for Jesus. To put your all on the line. 
And so what I want to do as we close here this afternoon is I want to ask how many here are willing to sacrifice for Jesus who sacrificed all for you? If you're willing to sacrifice for Jesus who sacrificed all for you, would you just stand with us? Secondly, if you've seen that medical missionary work is the work that will finish the gospel presentation to the world, that before the latter rain will fall, God is going to have to have a people who have the character of Jesus. And that character of Jesus was demonstrated by his self-sacrificing, loving service to other people by healing and ministering to them. If you want to commit yourself to medical missionary work, I want to invite you to come forward. Just come up here and surround this front. Amen. Amen. The medical missionary work is a broad work. It's a work that not only doctors and nurses and, 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 and uh, medical professionals can be involved with, but it's a work that teachers, pastors, Bible workers, every single member of the church is being called to be a medical missionary for Jesus. And so I want to invite you, if you just come up and join us for a prayer of dedication here this afternoon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you and praise you for what you have done for us. I want to thank you for Jesus, for his love, his sacrifice. He gave all for us. Lord, we want to give all for you in response. I want to pray for each one here today. Everyone in this room, I pray that you will pour your Holy Spirit upon us, that you will move us to be your witnesses, to be your hands and your feet, to demonstrate your loving character to those around us through sacrificial acts of service, of ministering to the needs of people. And Father, I pray that you will be with, with us as we endeavor to learn and implement 
the instructions that you've given us and how to be medical missionary evangelists, bringing people to the foot of the cross. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves again to you now. We ask that you'll take us from here, that you will spread this work far and wide, and that you will make it a work that you obviously have your hand in and that you are taking the reins of the work of your church and finishing the work in a speedy way. We thank you. We lay our lives before you. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.